Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hi, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd uh, for another hour here, and uh, I'll be back with Judd tomorrow. And as I've teased, we will recount our... um, story of getting lost in Wisconsin after uh, the Packers game. So you can look forward to that. It's the perfect Saturday conversation. But of course, uh, something just coming now, a story posted by Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports, one of, I think, the most dialed in mm-hmm. baseball reporters that there is on the Miguel Sano situation. Um, if you haven't seen it, if you haven't heard um, a photographer accusing uh, Miguel Sano of assaulting her, trying to force her into a, a bathroom at one point in, in 2015. And uh, this photographer wrote a blog post about it or, or a tweet about it, telling her story yesterday. Um, and Major League Baseball is now investigating into the situation and whether Sano assaulted her, which could result in a suspension for him. It could result in the Twins having to change course with Miguel Sano from where they stood. Now, here is what Jeff Passan writes, and this is pretty damning on Miguel Sano. Sano writes, uh, sorry, Passan writes, this was the perfect example of terrible decision-making because while Sano might be a lot of things or might have a lot of things, the utmost respect for women is not one of them. According to five people, including teammates, ex-teammates, and confidants with whom he has spent time, uh, though none accused Sano of sexual assault or would confirm the account of the story, they characterized him as someone who saw the pursuit of women as sport and getting in trouble for it was, quote, only a matter of time, said one person familiar with Sano, who he called a ticking time bomb. Wow. Uh, this report here, I think, strengthens the story mm-hmm. because the part about uh, from what the photographer's perspective is that. It was there really weren't witnesses or the witnesses that may have been there would have been connected with Sano, who may not be willing to tell the truth about what happened. And so this is continuing to be investigated by Major League Baseball now where this only came out yesterday, but it could impact the long term future of Miguel Sano here. And uh, this is one point that I was making earlier about um, fans who rush to defend professional athletes when they get accused of something like this. And, um, you know, it happens a lot in professional sports. I'm not saying that I know one way or the other, uh, whether Sano did this or not, but as a reporter or as a photographer, 
um, to come out and tell your story, you know that there's going to be a lot of backlash that comes your way. And usually people don't just invite that sort of negative attention, threats, having people put personal information about you on the Internet to try and bully you and to stop telling the story about one of their favorite athletes. It comes along with a lot of BS that usually people would not go out of their way with no real benefit uh, to tell it outside of just joining the movement of women who have done this uh, over the last year have told the stories of things that have happened to them. And baseball culture, in my experience, is probably the most toxic, uh, but sports in general. I think a lot of this, the way that Jeff Passan writes it, the pursuit of women as sport Um, When I broadcast minor league baseball for several years, saw a lot of that, the way that uh, women are talked about in a a clubhouse Mm -hmm. and things like that. Um, And many reporters have told their stories of having run-ins too. And I think it kind of speaks to the culture in general and even how we teach our kids about being athletes and what it means to be the star quarterback or the top scorer on your team and the entitlement that goes along with that. When I was umpiring, just briefly, just like for summer, I played baseball, and so I wanted to just make some money off of it, um, you know, just in between. Uh, but, uh, you know, you saw a lot of kids. That, I mean, the ball could have been thrown in the dugout, and somebody's dad is yelling, that was a strike, you know, from the, the other side. Yeah. And that's a, it might be a small thing, but... There is a lot of teaching kids that if they're good at athletics, then the world is theirs and it's theirs to take from anybody else what they want to. I think you saw that with the Stanford swimmer uh, or swimmer diver. Yep. Right. Yeah, you're correct there. That when he was convicted of rape, his dad wrote a long Facebook post about how this is this has made him sad. Like this has made the the guy sad who who raped someone else like. Okay, so if you if you if that's your mindset, then you are never going to hold your child accountable for anything, mm-hmm. and you're going to teach him forever that uh, this everything belongs to you, and you're entitled to that, and you have no consequences because you're good at sports. And I think that that's the culture we create a lot of times, and then people are stunned when someone finally stands up and tells their story. And so I, I don't know how this is going to play out, but I think in general the the accusations that get made are not conjured up out of the sky. Mm-hmm. And Jeff Passan, what he's writing here is, to me, extremely damning of Miguel Sano. And Passan, for his level of reporting prowess, would not write something this strong unless he felt strongly about yeah. it. And having five people that know him, know Sano, know the situation, that's a pretty credible source list. And I, I thought it was an incredible amount of sources. Yeah, that is a lot to get five people to yeah. say the same thing. And I, I thought it was telling yesterday that I saw Trevor Plouffe, former mm-hmm. twin, tweet at the person. I don't want to say her name. I just don't want people. It's written out there, but I don't want yeah. people going to her Twitter or whatever else if they're going to try and harass her. I don't want you to do that. It doesn't matter what her name is. Um, or at least from that standpoint, mm-hmm. you just see so much harassment yeah. on the Internet that I don't want to push that even further. Mm-hmm. Um but but um, anyway, just it's pretty telling how quickly he came out and said, "Hey, I wish you would have told me," because clearly, right. clearly your teammates would know. I mean, you're especially in baseball with how long you're with that group of guys. Your teammates have to know who you are, basically down to the core. Absolutely, the fact that Trevor Plouffe sent that tweet really mm-hmm. quickly 
and was willing to put it out there too. I mean, yeah. he didn't even it's his verified I, Twitter he account could have direct messaged or text or any other way, but decided to put it out there like that was a little bit of a smoke signal too. And I agree when you're in the locker room, you know what you know about other players. And that's yeah. probably why people were willing to talk with Jeff Passan about this. And just again, Passan wrote that, um, Sano might have a lot of things, but the utmost respect for women women is not one of them. They characterized him, his sources, as someone who saw the pursuit of women as sport and getting in trouble was only a matter of time for Miguel Sano. And you know what, man? Like this this is like just a, a tip of the iceberg with Sano. Mm -hmm. The the fact that he's been unable to control the weight has, has been a big problem. The fact that he just acted like he didn't care at all about trying to play the outfield when they asked him to do yeah. those things. And it was a big narrative toward the beginning of the year with Sano that he had turned things around and he was playing better third base. And then he only got hurt on kind of a freak thing, but the weight clearly ballooned mm -hmm. and you've been hearing for how long that there was character concerns with him. And this kind of puts it over the top. So if they, weren't already sold on trading him, which Doogie reported earlier this week alone that his name had yeah. been floated uh, out on the trade market. So if they weren't sold on that, then maybe now they will be after mm -hmm. this incident, especially if they have the same information that Jeff Passan has. So uh, very interesting stuff from him and something that could have an impact on um, the, the future of the, of the Twins organization, really. Yeah. I mean, he's a major with, with part of where been, we thought they were going. The guy they've been, one of the guys they've been building around for so long. He's been in their organization since, what, he was 15? Yeah. He's yeah. been with them for so long. And, yeah, it's it's going to have a major effect on where this team goes in the next couple of years. All right. So that's where we stand with that. Mm -hmm. And you, and that's why we always try to be patient, I think, Yeah, is because... Good reporters like Jeff Passan, people who have sources, people who have knowledge of these things, people who are dialed in with Major League Baseball, they will start doing their work and find out what exactly happened or what other information you can bring to the story. A lot of times, and when, you know, we were on the air yesterday when uh, she posted her story and our agreement, Chris Long was in here, was let, let's just let's wait. Let's yeah. wait for his statement. He says he has the utmost respect for women and he unequivocally denies it. Uh, let's wait to see what Major League Baseball is going to do. And Courtney brought it up earlier with uh, the agreement in 2015 between the players and Major League Baseball. They could decide to suspend him for a significant amount of time. Yeah, there's if, no minimum or maximum. It's however long Commissioner Manfred sees fit. And the players are players associations OK with that. And if there are other people, we saw this with politics with Al Franken, yep. where it was one day it was, well, okay, so he was acting like a jackass and he mm -hmm. did something real stupid, but you know, okay, that was way back when, and all right, maybe you could forgive it. But then a number of other people it quickly ballooned into numerous people. And usually if you are hunting women for sport and uh, not showing the utmost respect and doing things like Al Franken did. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the only time you've ever done it. Right. So there may be more on the way. Um, I guess we'll we'll wait and see what Major League Baseball decides to do. But that's where the Miguel Sano situation stands. Let me switch over to a little hockey. The World Juniors mm -hmm. is going on, and I was kind of cold on the World Junior. Like, okay, it's all right. It's a cool tournament that happens every year, and I'll I'll peek in. And then I saw something that Casey Middlestat did. Mm -hmm. 
Gopher and uh, Buffalo Sabres draft pick. So we're going to talk with John Mattis of the Toronto Sun, who is there in Buffalo covering it. And there's a little bit of controversy about playing the game outside. We'll ask him about that next. Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. This portion of Mackie and Judd brought to you by Metafast. Hi, right, Matthew Collar back here in for Mackie and Judd. So I was uh, scheduled to talk to my friend John Mattis from the Toronto Sun. I'm just going to have to uh, read his uh, direct messages. Now, he's working on getting another phone. He's from Canada, and apparently he's having issues with his phone plan calling in America. I thought that only was a problem for us when we would go over there and then you get roaming charges or yeah. something, right? I've never heard of, I've never had a problem with it. I thought they we had, had. We had you on once for Sunday Sports Talk. And we called him, and it seemed fine. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Hey, oh, there he is. There, there it is. There's your phone. Okay, so we'll talk World Juniors with him in uh, in just a moment here. If you want to give a call, we're going to jump back to the Case Keenum conversation and whether his uh, playoff performance should impact the Vikings' decision long-term. You might say, hey, even if he got him to the Super Bowl, that you would still want to go in a, in a different direction. Um, so let's go to uh, from the Toronto Sun. John Mattis, who is uh, in Buffalo, in the States where your phone doesn't work, John. Yeah, I had to borrow a colleague's phone. Clearly, I should have uh, tested out my phone. I don't know what's going on with that. I thought you could just, you know, walk over the border and roam. But, hey, here we are. I thought you guys had better health care and better phone plans in Canada than this. <laughs> that, that's all fake news, what you're hearing. Isn't everything Rogers up there? Uh, yeah, Rogers and Bell. It's like two companies. They own everything. Yeah, and yet they can't even get you a phone call uh, when you're in America. Um, <laughs> no. So you are uh, you are in our lovely country, John, to uh, cover the World Juniors. And I was telling Jonathan just the last segment that you know World Junior for me is okay if there's you know a hot prospect or something like that, or there always is in this game. So I'll, I'll tune in to see, especially the championship game too, because sometimes it gets really crazy in the championship game. Uh, I remember Rasmus Ristolainen's golden goal, the one game with the Russians that went crazy back and forth between them and Canada. So sometimes that's great, but usually don't watch the early games a lot. And then I saw what Casey Middlestat did last night. Um, just an unbelievable goal. And even though USA lost to Slovakia, it seems like Middlestat is making a name for himself there. Yeah, the pride of Eden Perry. Uh, he's, yeah, he's really put on a show, uh, highlight reel-wise at least, for, for the Sabres fans. He's obviously a first-round pick of, of that organization. But you know, if you're assessing his game uh, as a whole through two through two uh, through two contests, he hasn't been you know fantastic. He's you know there's been some some breaks in his game or some some holes to poke at. Um, but that you know you know he still has three goals in two games. Um, and that highlight real goal uh, is right up there with the the best goals in, of 2017. And he's he's going out with a bang in that sense. And you know it really. It was an important goal for the U.S. because it tied that game and, and gave them some life. They ultimately lost, obviously, to uh, the Slovaks, but but without Middlestad really uh, just putting the, his team on on his on his shoulders for for a few moments there, um, he he put himself on the map in this tournament. Uh, what's the talk with Casey Middlestad and, and what he could be? Because maybe it's just me getting older and them staying the same age, but I look at him and think, oh, man, this kid is is so young that I don't think he's really close to making that quick jump to the NHL, so he'll probably be here in Minnesota for a, a bit. But what what is his ceiling from the people that you talk to there? I think it's hard to say. I don't think he's, 
he's going straight to the NHL next year. Um, you know, stranger things have happened, but I don't think his game is rounded uh, out as 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 everyone would have expected. Or, or uh, you know, it's it's weird, right? Because our our expectations have changed over the last five, ten years. Where, um, you know, previously, if you're 19 years old, 18 years old, you need some seasoning. You need to, you know, go in the AHL. You need to finish in, in college. But now, you know, you're seeing an explosion of talent of 18, 19 year olds in the NHL. That it's almost weird if a, if a player, you know, is 20 and just starting pro. Um, so, you know, I, I think the, the sky's the limit with him. Uh, you know, you see it with his skill. You see it with his, his puck handling, his, his playmaking. Um, you know, at, you know that goal is a perfect example of, of him at, at his peak. Um, but I think there's still a lot of areas in his game that, that need work. And uh, last year he was playing high school hockey uh, and then obviously the USHL. Like, he hasn't exactly, um, you know, played, played at a super high level yet so so i wonder if if some more seasoning uh, in the ncaa will, will do him good john mattis from the toronto sun joining me from buffalo where he's covering the world juniors is it controversial that they are playing the championship game outdoors uh well they're just this is i don't know if it's controversial but um it's obviously a gimmick to an extent and and you know as much as like you know usa hockey has a big role in putting this thing on and and you know it's great for for growing the game, all that kind of stuff. After losing to the Slovaks, I'm gonna guess that that Bob Mosko, the, the coach and and the players and, and the GM, and you know you go up and down USA Hockey, they're probably wishing that that this game was indoors, uh, no no sort of hoopla, no no you know issues with with elements, anything like that. By the way, it's it's pretty nice right now. There's there's no snow. It's about uh, minus nine Celsius. I'm not sure what that converts to. In Fahrenheit, me either. Um, yeah, so it's pretty nice, though. It's very, it's it's, it's very fair weather. Um, but to get back to my point, um, it, it's 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 clearly just the them tr- the the double IHF USA Hockey trying to make um, a marquee game in the uh, in the round robin here, and uh, it, the way things have shaken out for for the US, they they need to win win this game to to put their stamp on, on Group A. I mean, if they lose, are they not going to make the quarterfinals? That's very unlikely. They're, they pretty much punch their ticket to the quarters after being beating Denmark. But if they don't win, there's a possibility that they face a Sweden or Russia in the quarterfinals, and, and that could end poorly. So um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an enormous game for, for the U.S. and, and for Canada to, to a lesser extent. Um, but but uh, if they had to do it all over again, if they could uh, just press a button, I'm sure they'd They'd want to go uh, indoors for this one. So with this outdoor game, if the USA gets upset, I guess it would be considered a upset. If, if they don't make it to the final game, is the crowd going to be the same? I mean, do you get the sense that that place is going to be packed and it's going to look great on TV? Because I, I've seen some pictures of the arena for the other games, uh, the one against Slovakia. I think Denmark was another one. And uh, there are more people in this studio with me and Jonathan than were at those uh, arenas. So I wonder if it's Sweden and somebody else, if uh, you're talking about not getting that fold-up football statement uh, stadium that they wanted to get. Yeah, so today there's supposed to be more than 40,000. So, yeah, I mean, you can't complain too much about that. Obviously, the stadium is, is uh, holds, you know, 60 to 70,000. So it's going to look um, – they, they've tarped off certain sections, but it's going to look – not full. Um, and then, as you alluded to, uh, the first few days here of the tournament have not been, uh, you know, really stellar in terms of attendance. There's been 
uh, a couple of Canada games that are all right, a couple of U.S. games. But other than that, um, pretty pretty slim pickings. And even those marquee games, the attendance has not been something that you can write home about. Um, and a lot of it, I think, personally, comes down to just you know customer fatigue. There's been uh, the World Juniors in, in, in either Toronto, Montreal, or Buffalo mm-hmm. in three of the last four years. So, I mean... There's only so many people who will pay to go see World Junior Hockey, and if you keep, you know, kind of shoving it down their throat for for three out of four years, this is going to happen. And, and unfortunately for Buffalo and the organizers, uh, they've gotten the third um, tournament in four years, as opposed to maybe the first one when there was a lot more uh, enthusiasm. So uh, it's been a disappointment. It's been uh, sort of a subplot this attendance, and uh, I mean, you you hope that that maybe as a, the the medal round approaches, things pick up, but. Uh, overall, it's it's been kind of a kind of a crappy uh, situation. John, last question for you. Just a quick on the NHL. Las Vegas won their sixth in a row last night. Uh, real deal or what? I mean, did did we ever see this coming with Las Vegas to come in and be this dangerous of a team? I thought they might compete, but I, I never put them at the top of the Western Conference. Well, first of all, let, let's. If there's anyone out there that's that's going, you know, kind of wiping their hands and, and smiling and going, oh, I predicted this. I I knew this was going to happen. They're they're lying. There's literally <laughs> probably no one in the world, including the Vegas staff and players, that thought that they would be in this position at this point in the season. Were there people that thought, oh, you know, they could be a dark horse for a playoff spot if, if all things fall into place? Yeah, and the, and the, you know, they were on the optimistic side. Um, I think coming out of the expansion draft, a lot of people thought. Um, that you know they're way better off than, than former uh, expansion teams, and a lot of that had to do with the rules in play for the draft. Um, but for it to get to this point, this far into the season, and they haven't really gone on any sort of losing skid, like you alluded to, that you know six games right now, and I believe they've uh, the last eleven games they, they've gone on quite the, the streak of, of getting points in almost all of them. Um, and it's it, the thing that that I guess makes you smile or, or or gets you going as a hockey fan is that they're playing pretty good hockey. It's not like, you know, you, you, you can't get all the bounces for, for this many games. And, and they're winning, mind you, they're winning a lot of overtime games, shootouts, that kind of stuff that'll probably tail off. But uh, there's so many good stories on that team. And uh, it just keeps on coming. And, and, and to be honest, I thought, you know, okay, first 20, 30 games, uh, you know, they'll be able to string together something here. And then it'll tail off, and we'll get back to normal. But the normal seems to be, to me, seems like they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, John, go work on your phone plan, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for uh, dropping by. Thanks, Matt. Take care. John Mattis of the Toronto Sun there on a friend's cellular device because he didn't know how Canada and America worked. Well, it happens. You could call. It's weird. You could call us from Canada. Yeah, it'd be just fine. But if he goes from Canada to America. And then tries then to call issues. us for America, then he's got problems. You would think it wouldn't work that way under Donald Trump's America. <laughs> <laughs> Making Canadian phone plans great again. Uh, I don't think that acronym works as well as the other one. Some breaking news in the NFL. One coaching spot is not going to be open yeah. that a lot of people anticipated being open. I will tell you about that. Plus, what do you have for questions of significant importance? Um... We're looking at the Vikings coaching situation here coming up next season uh, and your least desirable thing to do on New Year's. All right. We'll be back. Uh, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd.
Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. All right, Matthew Collar, Jonathan Harrison in here for Mackie and Judd. And uh, the quick news is that Todd Bowles is coming back to the New York Jets. That's a surprising one. You know, the Jets, man, if you're a Jets fan, you have to be so upset. Oh, yeah. So upset. Not that Bowles is coming back, but that a 38-year-old Josh McCown. (laughs) This is the thing about sports and how these teams worry so much about perception. They will tell you. Until they fall over and pass out, they will tell you they don't care what you think. Mm-hmm. Once you start listening to the fans, then you're sitting with them. Well, yet you listen to the fans all the time right. and base your decisions on it. Josh McCown throughout his career has occasionally been good enough to win a handful of games. That's exactly what he did. The New York Jets were in the driver's seat to be drafting Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. Yep. They weren't going to outsuck the Cleveland Browns, but... <laughs> They could have been even worse than the New York Giants, and yet they got a couple of surprising wins in there, and they botched getting their franchise quarterback. So now I don't know what they do. I saw a report the other day they might bring back McCown. Like, oh, great plan. He's going to be 39 and coming off this sort of semi-magical season, and uh, you're bringing Todd Bowles back as well because he won more games than you thought which is five instead of two. <laughs> Good it's, luck. If you're, if you're a Jets fan, you just have to be beside yourself yeah. at not losing those games. Mm-hmm. All right, what questions do you have for me, Jonathan? First off, you like your bowl games, as I've found out over the past two days. Uh-huh. You love them. Love them. Were you watching the Michigan State-Washington State game yesterday? I was somewhat watching okay. it because the TCU Stanford game was so good mm-hmm. that I ended up sticking on that one. Did you listen to the game at all um, when you were watching it? I tend to turn the TV down yeah, with a lot of the enough. broadcasts um, because what I do, what's so nice about these bowl games is mm-hmm. that I can have sports on in the background, but I was, I was working all last night yeah. um, because I've been in hosting in the morning. I've done a lot of my writing for our website uh, at night. So I was mostly not paying attention to the analysis. Fair enough. Is there something wrong with everyone's favorite play-by-play guy, Gus Johnson? Listen to this. Down nine of the 15, the work he gets the playoff. With time, moving around, looking, fires, caught, touchdown, Spartans, Cody White. Oh, um, what a play by Brian Lewerke. Looked like a young friend, Tarkington there. That sounds that like a guy. had there. Yeah. Where it's like, whoa, that wasn't expected. That's what I'm talking about. Sounds like a guy who has a cold. Yeah. Maybe. He, um, he's not his normal excited self when they scored the touchdown. Do you like the over-the-top shtick from him? Uh, not all the time. Like, if I just see the one play and it's that, that's fine. But if I have to listen to an entire game where he's getting overly excited about a team getting a first down just barely, then no, I can't stand it. One of the things that I really like about a good play-by-play person is uh, all these sports have their moments. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, they have their, like, okay, are we going to... There's four penalties in a row. Yeah. Like, this is just dull. Or where a kickoff goes through the back of the end zone. Just Why do we even have kickoffs anymore? Yeah. And a lot of what will make you like someone is whether they drive a good conversation in those points. 
that's where I tend to grade my play-by-play people, not whether you can yell when there's a touchdown. I could go outside and grab some guy off the street and be like, just yell touchdown. And they'd be like, uh, touchdown. You'd be like, good enough. Right. All right, let's overdub that over. You know, we, you could do it. <laughs> Anybody can do it. And that's not to say that anyone can do his job. It's just anyone can call a touchdown. It's kind of what you do around that, maintaining interest, presenting your storylines, Sounding detailed, the Kevin Burkhart and Charles Davis crew that has done a, a number of Vikings away games mm-hmm. that I didn't travel to a couple of them. I was very impressed that they knew what they were talking about with the Vikings, and they even gave us new information on a couple yeah. things that they got out of Mike Zimmer in their meetings. It wasn't the same. Oh, Adam Thielen's from Minnesota. Right. I've heard that. That was in there though. Times. But yes, yeah, yes, they did that the first game, and like I've heard that eight hundred times. I don't care to hear it again. I didn't know he went to Mankato. Um, I didn't know he's from Detroit. Lakes. I said that to him the other day. I was like, I was interviewing about something else, and I started <laughs> out the interview, so Mankato, and he's just like, every week, man, every week, somebody's got a new Mankato story, and like, uh, he's a trooper. Uh, but that's that's where I give a lot of my high marks to someone is whether they can continue to drive the, the conversation, set up their color guy to give you something you haven't heard before mm-hmm. or something you might be interested in. Because as you showed the other day with the keys to the game, yes. I mean, a lot of the analysis is just like beating your head up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't feel like in any of those areas that Gus Johnson is very good. No, I, I think at his best thing is you don't know anything about this team. So you're going to tune in and it's going to sound exciting when big plays happen cuz I'm going to yell at the top of my lungs. Right. And like that's that's what he's good at and that's why the tournament worked for him mm-hmm. cuz you don't know a lot about North right. Carolina's small forward. So if he doesn't bring that to you, you usually don't care cuz you just want to be excited about the games. Fox yeah, Fox tried him on their soccer broadcast. They tried to make him the American voice of soccer. And my soccer with, friends lost it. Yeah. You with soccer, there's a specific way to call the game, and he just wasn't doing it the way soccer fans are used to. And that's not, oh, we need a British guy doing it. It's just there's a certain flow that you have to have during a soccer game that he just didn't have. And it just Fox kept on shoving him down our throats like Oh, look, he's out at Old Trafford. He's out at the Bernabeo. I'm like, I don't care if he's there or not. He's not calling a good game. There was a, there's a rhythm to that, yeah. to soccer, that really impresses me when the people are, are good at it, when the play-by-play people are good at it. It, it. it has that specific sound, and if you're an outsider, it's kind of like with um, hockey people. Mm-hmm. If, if you're a casual hockey fan, you probably know all the rules and everything else, and you're fine. If you're not a hockey person, and you try to act like a hockey person, yeah. and you're, you're like called out real quick. Yeah, <laughs> they're uh, they're out there uh, dumping and chasing, huh? You're like, <laughs> oh yeah, poser. You know, I mean, like it's it felt the same way, and I don't think he was detailed enough with his research and how to do it, or maybe mm-hmm. he just wasn't fit for it. But it seemed like in that area where it doesn't seem like he's well researched that I get disappointed when I hear a game that he's doing. And I think it was perfect for the NCAA tournament where you just exactly. want to hear final calls and you go from game to game. But over a course of a whole football game, you're like, eh, I've I, had enough of you getting yeah. super excited about them getting converting on a second and one. Thanks, yeah. though. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of that. All right, what else you got? <laughs> All right, so with how good the Vikings offense has been, should the Vikings, instead of letting Shermer go or just having him leave the building, should they just dump a lot of money into him? keep him here, and basically groom him to be the next head coach. Hmm. 
Oh, the next head coach. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Mike Zimmer is in his 60s and he doesn't wear sunscreen at Man- <laughs> in training camp in Mankato. You're like, Mike. Well, it's not going to be Mankato any longer. Well, he, won't, he won't wear a sunscreen in Egan. I don't think he does. Like looking at that's his face at the move, end of the day, I could be wrong. If he needs to get a higher SPF if he does, <laughs> because at the end of the day, he looks like his face looks like a football. Like it just is beaten yeah. down by the sun. Uh, so I don't know how long he plans to coach. I would guess that he, if especially if they reach the Super Bowl, it's a coach for life situation. It's yeah. like Tom Coughlin. Like even if it falls off after this, you're still the coach because you're yeah. Mike Zimmer. Um, because you got the team their first Super Bowl. And and where they're at right now, I mean, if you consider over the last three years what their record is, it's just fantastic. Um, you know, having been in the uh, – won the division twice out of three times in a yeah. division that the Packers have dominated. Um, I don't know if Pat Shermer would want to wait that long because that could be years mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to some of the jobs that are coming up now. And, and I keep going back to the Chicago Bears. That I think that's a good job. They have a defense that's in place, a couple of playmaking running backs, a quarterback who's a top draft pick. You could see them being a 500 or better team under a good coach. I think John Fox is one of the worst coaches in the NFL at this point. And uh, he's kind of like the Jeff Fisher, really. Had some success back in the day, kept his job for way too long. And if you add a more progressive coach to that team, now if if Shermer gets an offer, I don't think there's any way you can keep him. Right. I don't think there's unless he just doesn't want to be a head coach again, which he mm-hmm. said that he would be interested in interviewing. Um, I don't think there's any way you can just say, what about two million dollars? <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I mean, I think it, you would have to back up a Brinks truck to do it. And even mm-hmm. then he might just say, you know what? I don't want to be known as the guy who was really bad in Cleveland because everyone's really bad in Cleveland. Yeah, I true. want another shot at it. <laughs> all right. So with New Year's coming up this weekend. And all these all these channels promoting what they're going to be broadcasting on New Year's Eve. What is the least for you, the least desirable thing to do to celebrate New Year's? I know for me, it'd be going to the ball drop in New York. I would absolutely hate that. I hate crowds. Being in a crowd of what they're reporting, a million people out there oh for seven hours because you have to get there early just to even get within view of it. That would be miserable for me. Um, so Judd likes to pick on me every time I come on about like watching tape. So I, you know, I make the jokes too, that that's, it is a thing that I really like to do. Just Mm -hmm. like watch the games back and go research things and stuff at the top of desirable things to do for me at the top of the list is to just be working and looking into some stuff Mm -hmm. and writing some articles and doing what I do pretty much every single night at the very bottom of the list is almost anything else other than that. (laughs) I mean, Luckily, I don't have a wife who wants to go out and wants to party or anything else. If she did, that would be a conflict uh, because I'd be like, "Uh, nah, I I got a game for 2014 to analyze back here that I wanted to look at. Uh, You know, I'm looking at Case Keenum when he played for Houston uh, or something like that. I really that's that's what I really would prefer to do, especially with where New Year's Eve lands this year being on the same Sunday as. A Vikings game? Uh-huh. Yeah. And watch the, uh, you know, watch the ball drop, I yeah. guess. I've done that. That's pretty boring for me. Um, mm-hmm. I've, but- I've seen it 20-some-odd times now. I don't really care to see it again, to see some TV guys just schmuck it up for two hours BSing about whatever. Yeah, I used to watch, um, uh, why is it eluding me, the guy who did it for a really long time. Dick Clark? Yeah, Dick Clark. Okay, I, I watched Dick Clark for a long time, but you know, now that I'm like a grown-up, so, okay. I mean, <laughs> it was hilarious last year when Mariah Carey 
didn't have her backing track or yeah. something or nobody put up their the lyrics to her song yeah. <laughs> and she just was like mad yep. the whole she was just mad Did and she that was stop pretty great singing at one point yes yeah, she stopped I'm fairly positive yes she just stopped singing and it was like whoa this is super awkward and the best part was that the dancers were unfazed yeah, the, the, they just kept on going. They were like dudes in tuxedos. And they're just spinning around and they're going on. And she's just like, this is this is a disaster. She's like, so, you're paying me to do this, but you're not doing it right. So, no, I'm not going to do it anymore. When things like that happen, then, uh, yes, that that's funny. But, I mean, we'll probably get a pizza, watch a movie, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. I'm I'm very much like, eh, I don't like, like to be around a ton of people. I, I think you're even, you're that kind of person or you're not. Yeah. You're, I want to go to Times Square because it's a thing. Ugh. And they're like, yeah, I'll see it January 2nd when no one's around. Right. I do this. I mean, like when it comes to going to sports games, going to movies, whatever it might be, it's always part of the equation for me. It's like, all right, if no, if nobody's there, that'll be way better for us. Uh, twin, <laughs> so you try and find the most abandoned theater you can find if you oh, go to a movie. Absolutely. It's not always possible, mm -hmm. uh, but going on a Tuesday is perfect. Oh, it's playing there. Great. I don't have to be up early or anything, or I'll go to the middle of the day movie. So yep. it's like you and two other people that are 97 years old or uh, the same with like a twins game, Saturday twins game. Eh, Y'all can enjoy that <laughs> uh, Tuesday night. Yeah. Give Wednesday a, night. Give me a Wednesday day game. Yep. I'm there. And you know what? I'm going to get those tickets that are a little up a little bit. So if there isn't a few people there, you can always slide around. I just, I just kind of have that, yeah. that I more no, comfortable right experience for me doing that. So if you're talking about, you know, people go out to bars and relive the Forrest Gump scene or whatever at New Year's Eve, like <laughs> no, that thanks. is not my thing. Yeah. All right, Jonathan, anything else? Is that good? Are that, you good? That would you be set? good. I'm good. All right. We'll come back and, uh, and we'll wrap it up. And, uh, just a quick thought on the Sano situation and our Keenum conversation. Really, uh, enjoyed Talking with people today, Matthew Collar in for Mackie and Judd. All right, Matthew Collar here putting a bow on things for the week. I've really enjoyed all the good conversations about uh, the Vikings, where they're going to go, how confident you are uh, in Case Keenum in the playoffs, the Wolves, who have uh, really become a fun team. Even when they lose, it's fun. And it's a good game. And uh, that's part of what I think Wolves fans were looking at. Uh, two things to wrap up with. One, um, I think that uh, the conversation with Case Keenum for the Vikings inside their front office starts with what happens in the playoffs because of how many times we've seen quarterbacks like this succeed in the regular season and not be able to finish the job. And I believe that this Vikings team, this organization, thinks that they belong in the Super Bowl, that they are a good enough all-around team, and I would agree with them that the supporting cast for Case Keenum is good enough to be in the Super Bowl. And the stat from earlier today that teams that have had the number one defense and the top 10 offense more than half the time end up in the Super Bowl. And uh, if Case Keenum gets them there, then he probably is their long-term quarterback. And maybe Teddy Bridgewater is playing quarterback for the Miami Dolphins next year. That That's where I stand on that. Mm -hmm. And it adds a, a level of intrigue to the playoffs with the future in mind with everything that happens too. I think the thing for me that I'm still a little hesitant on giving Case Keenum a big contract or, you know, a long-term contract to stay here is you've seen what Matt Ryan has done without Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator. He's gone from being otherworldly MVP guy to just his usual pretty good self. And you're seeing what's happening with the Rams from last year to the Rams this year. They're pretty much the same team. They still got the same core, 
there. But because they've got a new coach, Jared Goff, all of a sudden looks otherworldly. And now that Case Keenum's got a good coach coaching him on the offense, he looks like a starting starting caliber quarterback for an entire season. So it's like one of those, uh, you ever see one of those graphs that kind of has uh, the, the two bars at the end and some stretch with a yeah. farther high and low than the others? Um, I think that's how you look at quarterbacks. When Randy Moss goes to New England, Tom Brady's uh, touchdown total goes up by 26. It's ridiculous, like, yeah. What, what, did he get that much better, or did he have Randy Moss? So mm-hmm. even it can impact Tom Brady, but his low is still a guy that would win 11 games on any team in the league yeah. because he's just that good. And with Case Keenum, it's, okay, is this the very top bar? Mm-hmm. And is that going to be good enough to beat Drew Brees in a playoff game? And that's going to be the question that we we have to answer. Or Jared Goff and a Sean McVay offense, because I think Goff, his ceiling is even higher, yeah. uh, as we've seen. And th- those questions are, are going to be answered and make a big deal for where they go. If they lose the first playoff game and Case Keenum throws two interceptions or is just okay, then maybe Teddy Bridgewater is your quarterback. And uh, these games are going to shape the future of this organization at that position, which to me makes them even more fascinating to, to lead up to. And just the, the last thing I, I wanted to say, uh, Jeff Passon's report today on, on Miguel Sano, he talked to a bunch of sources from players on the team, players who have been on the team and close to Sano and said that um, him having, he has, the line was he has a lot of things, but the utmost respect for women is not one of them. And uh, when it comes to this entire conversation about um, sexual harassment and the Me Too movement and a lot of women telling their stories, there are many, many more who have not told you mm-hmm. their stories and what has happened to them. And in sports culture, we are about the worst yeah. We, in terms of how uh, NFL Network reporters and NFL Network people behind the scenes were being treated by some of these ex-players. There was uh, the ESPN book that came out a couple probably seven, eight years ago now, that there was essentially two whole chapters of this dedicated to what happened at ESPN in the mid to late 80s and 90s. And some of those people are still around. Yeah, Um, they're still pretty big names. Yeah, right. Mike Tirico is with uh, NBC NBC, Sports, and you wonder if uh, eventually we're going to hear more from him because he's a big part of that book Yeah, and, and sexually harassing women and things like that. And if you're the type of person who says, oh, well, you know, you can't believe women, things like that, or you're the type of person that sends a tweet at someone who has accused a man in sports of sexual harassment because you own that person's jersey, then just you need to look at yourself in the mirror. Right. Like whether this situation goes one direction or the other isn't relevant to what I'm saying. It's this entire conversation, these things have been happening and women have stayed quiet to keep their jobs or not rock the boat or fearing retribution. And now that's not happening as much. And that's a good thing for our society in general. And Major League Baseball is doing the right thing by investigating. And they're doing the right thing by suspending players who uh, are found guilty of doing this to their standard. Yeah, And uh, I think we're only making sports culture better by having these things uh, be out there. So um, Jeff Passon's report uh, is really something um, that is damning to Sano and may eventually hurt his case as Major League Baseball investigates. And I, I don't know what direction it's going to go for the team, but if they were considering moving on from him already, you have to wonder if this was part of the conversation. Maybe not just how he treats women, 
but his entire character in yeah. general. Is he the type of player that you want to build a franchise around if he's going to have the weight issues go up and down? Because you can never trust him. If well, you mentioned when we were talking about at the top of the hour, when he when he moved to outfield, his just general seeming to not care to pick up the position. You wonder how long that'll last with someone who, how long you can put up with that with someone who you're paying big money to, whether you're whether you think they can, you know, go all out for you. Right. If they're not even willing to pick up a new position at a young age where they'll have time to learn it. And I think that um, culture really matters. Yeah. I mean, I think it really does matter when it comes to whether your organization can actually win or not. And that doesn't mean having all great people. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys won a lot of games with a lot of bad people. Um, so there is that. But the the combination of things with Sano, if this is part of that conversation, then it goes along with not being willing to do what he's asked to do, mm -hmm. uh, not being sure that he's going to be able to play a full season. And now if you were planning on moving him before and you were, were floating his name to teams before, and um, I've got a pretty good idea of what team um, they were floating him to possibly. <laughs> I think at this point with this added to the conversation, a lot of twins fans would say, well, if that deal is still on the table, then uh, maybe it's time to take it. But I don't know if it will be after that because Baseball teams value this stuff really highly. Um, Danny Valencia, right, was just a jackass, and they moved on from him. Yeah. And a bunch of other teams have too. So yeah, he's hopped around teams because he's not a likable person. So we'll keep an eye on uh, the reports that are coming out. Judd and I are on tomorrow, and as I said, you're going to want to tune in for Judd getting lost in Wisconsin. How does that happen? And bowl game analysis. Jonathan, great job the last thanks, two sir. days. Uh, thanks well. to Courtney Cronin, our guest as well. And... Um, have a nice weekend.